Welcome to the Women Encouraged Podcast. I'm your host, Bethany Berendrecht. We are all about growing in Christ and being shaped by His Word, so I'm delighted to share these conversations with Christians who love the Lord, love His Word, and are pursuing a life of faithfulness in Him. I'm praying this episode is a blessing to you and that you'll be encouraged to apply the gospel to this topic and walk faithfully with Jesus Christ. Welcome to the conversation. Hi, friend, and welcome back to Women Encouraged. I'm so glad to have you here today. I'm joined today by Tilly Dillahay, author of the books Seeing Green and Broken Bread, a book about the complicated ways we relate to food. Tilly shares her personal experience and explains four categories or ditches that we can often fall into and the important ways the Lord addresses our relationship with food. Tilly has so much wisdom to share here, and I hope you'll order a copy of Broken Bread. It's sure to be an encouragement to you and help you think through your relationship with food and how you can use God's gifts to bless others. Before we get started, I want to say a really big thank you to our donors and Patreon sponsors for helping keep this podcast going. You have been an enormous gift and a blessing, and we praise God for the opportunity to link arms with you and share weekly episodes of encouragement for Christian living with our listeners. Let's get started with my conversation with Tilly Dillahay. Welcome to you, Tilly. I'm so thankful that you joined me today. Glad you're here. I'm glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Can you give us a little introduction to yourself and your life? Um, and yeah, share with us what a snapshot of your life looks like. Yeah, so I'm a pastor's wife and the mother of three little children. So I have a, a five-year-old and a three-year-old and a baby. And we live in a, a very rural area in Tennessee about an hour east of Nashville. My husband's church is here in this town. And um, I'm also the author of two books at this point. Um, The first one is called Seeing Green. And then the one that is coming out this year is called Broken Bread. And um, that's been a really enriching part of my life as well. That's so great. Can you share with us about what Broken Bread is about? That's what we're here to talk about today. And I'm actually really excited about this book. I've been reading the notes that have been sent to me by your publisher and just what I can snag from Amazon as well. And I'm looking forward to this landing in my mailbox soon. Tell us about this and what it is about, what inspired your decision to write it. Yeah, well, um, I the book is about food and food has been, obviously it's a big part of all of our lives, <laughs> but uh, food has been really complicated for me in the past. And I, I definitely, I spent a several, several years in the grip of bulimia as a young Mm. adult. Now I'm, you know, feeding, feeding small people all the time. And I'm also feeding large groups of people on a pretty regular basis, just in, you know, hospitality and stuff related to the church. So, you know, food kind of looms large in my life in this season. Mm. And I also just, I think in the last few years, I just noticed some of the Christian women in my life, um, just kind of getting hung up on, on food in different ways, um, Mm -hmm. where it was just, it was just a a real struggle for them. One of the main things I kept seeing was women who it seemed like were attaching almost like a moral, a moral weight to the content of what they were eating, like the the ingredients or the, um, nutritional value or whatever. There would be kind of a, almost a, 
well, like you hear in the world, like good, I've had a good day or I've had a bad day, or, you know, this is, uh, I've been so, I've been so bad today or, or just some of the diets that have kind of swept through, you've heard of them just like I have, you know, they, they kind yeah. of sweep through almost like on a social level and then they, and then they get replaced with something else. But I just, I started to notice like, man, this is really, there's a real like guilt um, attached to the food for some, for some of the people that I know and for myself too, I think through the years. And then I, I started to just think about that and think about the joy that food has been to me over the past few years. And as I've, especially just around hospitality and around friends and um, learning to cook and what a, just what a real blessing it's been in my life and, and how much I would love to, to share, I guess, just some of the beautiful things that, that God has done in my life through the gift of food. So that's sort mm. of where, where I began. That is really encouraging. And I, I know that on a personal level, just the, the struggle with food. And I think, I don't know if you've ever encountered somebody who told you basically that all your all your soul's problems are food related. <laughs> so uh-huh. Yeah. I've had yeah. I've run into that um from time to time, you know. Mm-hmm. Somebody even going as far as saying like your child won't have tantrums if you don't feed them nightshades oh, or something yes, like that. Absolutely. It's just like, oh, yeah. and here I was thinking we had a sin issue. Exactly. You know? <laughs> yeah. And I thought that the problem went deeper than that, but <laughs> I yeah, guess it's just no. what we had for lunch. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's a temptation, I mean, to look at the gift and expect it to be the giver. I think we all we all can struggle with that in various ways. And I think I, I didn't grow up with the healthiest view of food. And I think using it later on to either punish myself or mm-hmm. like you shared about your your experience with bulimia, that's something that is a familiar concept to me. And yeah, either using it to reward or punish myself is just something that I struggled with for years and then um, ended up becoming finding out that I was celiac. So now, now I have to like retrain myself. Like, no, God isn't punishing me for Mm -hmm. this. And I'm looking at, you know, God's gifts and what he has allowed me to eat without becoming ill has been a gift from him as well. And so I'm really looking forward to this, even though I'm not a traditional bread eater, I I make a bread for my family. And Mm -hmm. so I think of bread as something that just brings people together and Mm -hmm. nourishes. This is a far more spiritual book though than a just a cookbook or something like that. And so you've you've taken the time to identify some food categories, and this isn't the food groups. This is things that affect the way we relate to the Lord and the way we relate to His gifts. And so I'd love to hear what these categories are and also some of the ways that knowing these categories and being aware of them will will help us as Christian women. Yes. So um, the beginning of the book is structured around these four kind of ditches that I see us falling into. And, um, and I have them, they're almost like they're, I talk about them being like poles because they're sort of on opposite ends, opposite extremes, basically like two sets of twin vices, uh, if you would. So it, you know, I, I start with asceticism, which is kind of what we were just talking about with that, that kind of fear of pleasure, love of rules. Um, this sort of belief that, God is as stingy as we are, I guess, that, mm. that if it tastes really good, then it must be, it must be bad in some way. And yeah, just all of the, all of the restrictions that we tend to, uh, that we tend to draw up for ourselves. And a lot of the time when we draw up all these rules, the reason we do that is because we're, we're afraid of death. We're afraid of, of fat or aging or something like that. Like we're trying to, trying to take control of 
sometimes of things that you can't really take control of. Mm -hmm. But also sometimes we're trying to get control over another sin, which is on the other end of the pole, gluttony. And so, you know, if we've dealt with the sin of gluttony for years and years and years, it's it's very natural to us, I think, as human beings to try to fight fight sin with the law and fight sin with more rules, I guess, and stricter mm-hmm. rules. Yeah. And that just seems like sort of our natural reaction. So, so on the other end is the glut is gluttony. And that's just, that's seeking more and more without ever being satisfied without ever really, really, there's a lot of enjoyment that you lose in the act of, of gluttony because you really stop tasting and enjoying what you're eating at a certain point. So I talk a lot about that. That's just been my experience with, with gluttony has been that one of the best, the best ways I've been able to fight it is by sitting down and eating a good meal, which is kind of counterintuitive. But um, that really is, it's like the number one thing that kind of flips that switch for me is to cook and sit and eat and Mm. and to do it with my whole attention and just with gratitude. So, and then another set of twins are snobbery um, and apathy. Those are the other two. So snobbery is like sort of the social sins around food where we maybe try to use food to gain a sense of importance, a sense of superiority with other people where we are either we're, we're publicly talking a lot about whatever diet we're on, or we're, we're the first person to hear about some hip new ingredient, or we're unable to just sit down and enjoy a meal with friends without all of the, the restrictions kind of getting in the way. Um, so I call that snobbery, but it's kind of a big net, I guess. Mm, and then on yeah. the other end from that, you know, if, if the snobbish person cares too much about the ingredients or the food, then the apathetic person doesn't care enough about the fact that God has laid out just this really stunning array of tastes that we have access to today. Just in a, I mean, really no other culture and history has had the access to tastes that we have today. And just if we were to sort of sniff at that and just say, well, you know, all food is food, like frozen, you know, hungry man dinner is just as good as, as a, a well-cooked meal, you know, that would be, it would just yeah. be lying, <laughs> but it would not be true, but it would also, it would just, I think it would, it's, there's a culpability in not being able to appreciate the, um, the excellent things that God is, is made available to us. So, yeah. Yeah. And so how do these, like just an awareness of these, maybe general awareness or, Mm -hmm. or studying them deeper, how does this help us to, you know, I suppose maybe sometimes just knowing that there is a ditch keeps us out of the ditch, Mm -hmm. but yeah, um, what does it do for us? Yeah. Yeah. It's helpful to see the ditch that we, that we tend to, to kind of look at those and say, okay, like, which one of those am I most attracted to or which several of them am I? I mean, I, I've spent time in each of these ditches. So, right, um, right. but then to look at scripture and to see the, the, the freedom that you see in scripture around food is just really astounding. When you, like when you can, you, you read through maybe a health food blog or something where they're talking about, you know, carbs are bad and, um, you know, just giving you this, you get this very tense kind of feeling coming away from reading certain things or being being surrounded yeah. by certain certain cultures around food and then you go to scripture and you hear Jesus saying you know whatever goes into your mouth it will not defile you it's impossible like food is not capable of defiling you that mm. you know only what comes out of your mouth can defile you and and so he's declaring all foods clean and you know for us to think to be amazed about clean food is one thing but 
for the Jews that he was talking to, for them to be amazed about food being declared clean, that was a even a much bigger deal for them, you know, yeah. to be allowed to to kind of open up their their tables in that way. So we think that we are strict about food. You know, they they had much better reasons for being strict about food than we do. We just, you know, we're following the science or following the the blogger or whatever, but they were following the word of God. And then Paul in the New Testament, he he talks so much just about the about the uh, the community of food and how whenever possible you pr- you you find ways of preferring the other person of serving the other person um, even if if even if their conscience is captive you know you still find ways not to make them stumble or not to not to make the food more important than the person basically and that just gives us such a such a refreshment about um, how we're to conduct ourselves, you know, and how, what, what we're supposed to prioritize when it comes to food. We're supposed to prioritize food as a, as a way of serving people and serving yeah. God's people and serving, um, you know, the unbeliever. So, yeah, it's really an incredible concept when you dig into the word and what, what God has to say about his gifts and how we relate to them. And you've, I think you were addressing my, probably my next question was like, what does scripture say about that? And you, your tagline for your book is God cares more about how you eat than what you eat. And that's a powerful statement because it really goes back to kind of taking us back to the root of like, are we glorifying God with our body? You know, that is, that's the point, whatever you do, whether you eat or drink, do it Mm -hmm. to the glory of God. And we are just inundated with messages all day long, wherever we go. Are there other ways that scripture addresses our relationship with food and, and the messages that we hear? Yeah, I, I do think um, you you would think that scripture had so much to say about about caring for your temple, you know, because mm. it seems yeah. like that's that, it seems like that's the verse that we all hear all the time. And it's right, there. Right? It is absolutely <laughs> true. You know, we are to care for our bodies. Um yeah, but it's just amazing how much more there is. Really, um, even things that you wouldn't think apply directly, like Second uh, Timothy one seven says, "God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self control." Um, mm. Just to remember, like when you when you are spending this much of your time thinking about this and when worrying about this and wondering, you know, should I be doing a like should I be doing celery juice? You know, like, um, <laughs> oh dear. This, you know, like, like when you, when that, that much of your mind and your heart is taken up on this, it may be that you have capitulated to a spirit of fear. And it's a, it's a fear that is not really, um, at home in a Christian who's navigating the food world. So, and then also things like, like, uh, first Corinthians eight says food will not commend us to God. And mm. I just, I do think that this this tends to be the ditch that a lot of people I see are in of just really believing that, you know, if if I'm supposed to glorify God in everything I do, is it even possible to glorify God while eating a donut? You know, like, is it, right. can I actually glorify God while I'm eating something I know is so bad for me? But, um, you know, like a, a donut will give you energy in the moment that you're eating it. It will give you pleasure. There are good there are good reasons to eat a donut, and if you're eating mm-hmm. eating the donut while glorifying God for that donut, um, which I think is a reasonable thing to do when you're eating a donut, um, you know, I, I just think it's it's a much much bigger question than am I being good right now or am I being bad right now? 
Um, so, and then, but, but on the, on the say on the gluttony side or on the apathy side, you do have very clear words in scripture about everything is lawful, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful, yeah. but, um, but not everything is going to build you up. And, and what you definitely don't want is to be dominated by anything, to be controlled by something. So, you know, that's a legitimate question of, um, of learning to enjoy these things and to praise God for these things um, in a spirit, not of fear, but of self-control. Is there an element of, of decision-making when it comes to this? Do you think that um, is asking ourselves, will you know, the, on the lawful but not helpful kind of conversation, you know, is this going to, is this food going to enable me to live faithfully? Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think that's a legitimate thing to ask. I just think that you have to be careful about what you're allowing to pass through there. What, what right. you're, what you're saying, this can't possibly fit into that category because I know that if I ate this every day for the rest of my life, it would be really bad for me. And to say, but you could eat this this weekend maybe. And yeah not every day for the rest of your life, but this would be a legitimate glorifying thing to enjoy this thing on this weekend, you know, and, yeah. and just to, to have a, a category in your mind for moderation and, and for variety. And um, I, again, I just think being able to sit down in front of something allows you to ask that question of, of, am I, am I doing right by my family and by my by my body without living in fear all the time. Right. The only bad food for you then is the food that you're not receiving with Thanksgiving. That's right. That's right. Yeah. I love that, that you're, you want to make room for moderation and variety. I think that's really important. And it also helps me to not feel quite so bad that we do donuts every Saturday as a family. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Sometimes you have that little niggling thought in the back of your mind, like, Oh, is this the wrong thing? But I think the fact that a it's not this this thing that my kids expect or demand or something, but it's something that everybody rejoices over and gets excited about and, and enjoys together. It. Yeah, and there's like yeah, a, and there's so a, a it's cycle building to it. something. Yeah, it's yeah, it's building a culture of Thanksgiving in our home, and so in that sense, it is serving God to have donuts on Saturday. Yeah, that's great. I love that, and I and I think that's also that brings up another really good way of of asking yourself, um, of kind of testing your attitude towards these things is, are you, are you regularly being, uh, tempted to sin by the fact that say your husband bought something that you wish he didn't buy? Um, right. so you have to throw a little, you know, tantrum about that or whatever. When, you know, to you, it, it doesn't feel like a tantrum. It feels like you like I'm caring about their health. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, you're saying this is bad for them and he is getting, you know, he is feeding them poison, (laughs) but, you know, maybe you wouldn't use that word, but, but in your mind, there's kind of that, I do think it gets to that, that place with some women where it's just like, how could you poison our children? (laughs) Well, there is that culture does exist. Like the, the sugar is poison or non-organic is poison or whatever. Um, and, and when we take that so to heart and we start to I think it's a really another issue of worshiping the creature rather than the creator. Yeah, and and it I think it does show what we're what we're spent what we're filling our minds with. You know, it just yeah. shows like if this is what you're reading and thinking about all day, it is going to um, it's going to balloon in importance over the, over scripture. Yeah, that's really really helpful. I've really appreciated this so far, and I want to hear from your personal experience how 
what God has been teaching you and what he's taught you through community and others' hospitality towards you um, and how practicing hospitality has transformed your life. Yeah. So um, I, I grew up more in the Nashville area, but I moved to this little town when I was a, a young adult. And I, I come out here as an agnostic, actually, to do biblical counseling with one of the pastors of this same church that I'm still a part of. Um, so I kind of came out as like a, just like a, a spiritual refugee, just with a really messy life and, and that the bulimia was mixed all up in that. Um, but as soon as I arrived out here, the, the church was doing a potluck meal every single Sunday. Um, so mm. that was immediately like a situation when I had to eat in community every single week. And then for the first several years that I lived here, I was also a guest in other people's homes where they actually hosted me because I was between whatever, between jobs and kind of getting my feet under me. So basically as a young adult, I was, I was um, put into these situations where I was dependent on other people's hospitality. And that made a really big impression on me as a young Christian to be observing other people's kind of the interior of their of their lives and for that to have ministered to me so much. So, you know, now that I'm, that I have a family of my own and now that I have a home of my own that I can practice hospitality out of, I think there's a, just a big, a feeling almost of like a debt owed, but also just a feeling of, I know that this stuff helps. I know that this stuff is powerful in the work of the gospel and the work of the, the kind of kingdom work that we're all involved in. I know that having someone sitting around your table is a lot bigger than just getting food into them. Like it's a yeah. way to show them, show them the good life of, of a person who follows Christ and the, you know, the joy that comes with that. And, and it's a way to explicitly have a, you know, a place and a time to, to, to explicitly tell them the gospel. But I just think it's really powerful and it's, and it's something that I'm learning through the years to use efficiently. You know, I, I think my temptation can be sometimes to just kind of feed them and visit with them and not not fully uh, engage, not use the time well when I when I get the audience with them, because because getting them in your house is a way of purchasing that audience with them, you know, and, and, and yeah. developing that relationship with them. And I think the big thing that I'm I'm needing to learn and, and would like to learn better in the next few years is just how to maximize that time once I get it. Hmm. That is really a wonderful goal. I love that. So for a woman, if you're going to sit down with a woman who's really struggling with fear that or a concern that she's never going to have a healthy relationship with food for whatever reason, what kind of hope does the Lord offer her in this situation? How, how would you encourage her and advise her as she works to get away from maybe one of those four categories? Yeah, well, I would definitely just say this, I think food and, and sort of food addiction type behavior can feel like a lot of other other addictions in that it, it consumes so much of your of your mind and your heart that you start to feel like, man, this is if I could just kick this, I would be done. You know, like I would be right, I would be where I need to be. And I do think it's it may sound discouraging, but I think it's actually I think it's actually helpful to to realize that the sin of whatever gluttony or, or asceticism or any of these of, of food fixation, I guess it, it is all mixed up with other sins of the heart that you can also be, be asking the Lord to show you and to work on and just realizing, I think that you don't have to live this way. I think that, that if I were to tell myself 10 years ago, 
of what what this battle would feel like 10 years from now. I don't know if I would have believed how much freedom, you know, I've been given. Mm -hmm. But also when you remove that sort of big, bad sin that you're dealing with all the time, you suddenly see, oh my goodness, under that sin was all the other kinds of kind of ordinary daily battle sins that every Christian deals with all the time, like pride or like, like lack of love or just those are the kinds of things you realize like, wow, I'm, I am going to be doing battle with sin for the rest of my life until the Lord, um, until the Lord glorifies this body that I'm in. And, and that's, that's okay. That's something to expect so that you're not surprised. Yeah. We can't just take one behavior out and not replace it with something else. When we want to remove the, the negative thing that we've been fixating on or the ungodly behavior or, or mentality that we've had towards food, we can't just take that away and not replace it with something. Do you have any practical steps or some, um, some behaviors or things that we can engage in that are, are helpful to us to refocus on Christ mm-hmm. and think about how he wants us to live in relationship to food? Absolutely. Yeah. So I think maybe the two main virtues that you're going to be replacing or trying to to kind of replace these vices with would be um, mm-hmm. gratitude and and love for neighbor. So so the gratitude is just really cultivating that sense in yourself of God made this food and he gave me this food to to nourish me and to bless me. And I can eat this food freely and in, in the knowledge that he gave it. And then with, with loving your neighbor, beginning to practice using food as a way of serving people. I mean, it's just, it's an incredibly powerful tool to, to take food and make it less a private thing that I restrict for myself and privately count and obsess over and turn it into a means to uh, promote community and to promote, and just even, even just serving my kids, you know, of doing that to the, to the best of my ability or my husband or my roommates or my coworkers or my church community, you know, food is such a powerful tool for, for love. And, and it, that really, that really gives you something to do with your hands and your mind so that, that you're not thinking about food in those other ways. But, but in the same vein, you know, of giving your mind something to do as, as you mature in the Lord and fill your mind with scripture and fill your mind with just the work of the Christian, I think, some of some of this is just that that the devil finds finds work for idle hands. Is that the saying that mm-hmm. that when you're yeah. when you're idle? Yeah. yeah, I don't I don't know if I said that right, but yeah, like idle hands are the devil's workshop. That's right. That's it. <laughs> that um, yeah. But if you're not thinking about anything in particular except scrolling through your Instagram feed or whatever, mm. like there will be material that will rush in to fill that that empty space. Um, it just yeah. is not going to be the material that will, um, will help you to serve the Lord. So yeah, filling your mind and your heart. So good. One question that I ask every guest, Tilly, what has the Lord been using in your life lately to encourage you in your walk with him? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, um, I guess we've all kind of been in this quarantine season and this very strange, strange time. And I, um, and I've definitely been through several 
kind of seasons with it. The first couple of weeks, I think, were different than than maybe the, the weeks after that. And I know the next few weeks as we sort of begin to come out of it. Anyway, I don't want to date this podcast too much, but I just, it's okay. but I just think, <laughs> yeah, I just think obviously we've all been learning a lot of, a lot of things by being home so much. Mm. And I do think in the beginning, I was really, really enjoying just that extra time being still with my family mm-hmm. and re- and kind of resting. But there's definitely been some weeks of just painful learning things about myself. I didn't really want to know about just how, how impatient and just, just undisciplined or I don't know. I just, I think this has been a a season of God's mercy in showing me, showing me how, how he will meet me in some very unusual times. So that's been, that's been sweet. That's really encouraging. And also very relatable. Mm-hmm. I feel like. Yeah. I mean, I think everyone's like, pretty much God there. will use anything. <laughs> yeah, that's right. He will even, yeah. even uh, something you've never seen before. So yeah. That's right. Yeah. Now I've, I've definitely found that I have um, a lot more propensity to take out my frustration on the things around me or the, mm-hmm. the, I don't know, just the situation around me or hide. I've actually been hiding in the kitchen probably more often <laughs> than anything else where I just, I'm like, I'm just going to retreat from life. I'll just go bake something yeah. like, yeah. and then I, then I don't have to think about anything else. And that's just, uh, yeah. avoidance is not the answer either, it's but not. I, I do think yeah. a little work for the hands is kind of helpful. Sometimes I've been, I've been out in the it garden is. more and that's been helpful, but Oh, that's yeah. so good. I'm looking forward to that here. We don't have our gardening season oh, fully yeah. going up yeah. in Alberta because Alberta. it still frosts occasionally. Yeah. So we have to wait till mid-May to plant. But oh, yeah, I've got some, we did lots of yard work this weekend and it was really good for the soul for it sure. good. Yeah. Being outside. Well, thank you so much for being here today. I've really enjoyed this conversation, Tilly, and I'm really excited to share this book with our Women Encouraged community. And I, um, look forward to whatever else you put out there because this is very helpful to me and I know it's going to help a lot of other women too. I hope so. I hope the Lord uses it. Thanks so much. Thanks again, friend, for being here. You can find Tilly at justanentilly.com and on Instagram at Tilly underscore Dillahay. As always, we'd love it if you connected with us on Instagram at Women Encouraged and on Facebook at the Women Encouraged page. As we consider Tilly's encouragement to evaluate our relationship with food according to God's word, I want to encourage you to keep coming back to the bread of life to fill your heart and soul. Your relationship with Jesus is the only thing that will develop your maturity in a way that keeps you out of the ditches that Tilly talked about in this episode. As you feed on God's word, ask him to show you ways that you've set something else in the place where he belongs and ask him to make you satisfied in him and give you opportunities to bless and give with the gifts he's given you. Psalm 103 starts out, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from destruction, who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles.